Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel. At Rural First, we're the leader in rural construction loans because we don't work here. We work out here. We live rural, which means we know just what you need to build rural. Our dedicated team of loan specialists works with you throughout the construction process. And with our digital tool, you can manage your project all in one place. That's how Rural First gets you closer to what matters. Rural First is a registered trademark of Farm Credit Mid-America. NMLS 407249. Equal housing lender. Loan subject to approval and eligibility. Other terms and conditions may apply. Visit RuralFirst.com for more details. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that would like to remind us all that when you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. Well, Amelia Clark could tame my dragon. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. This week, we are happy to be featuring the great return by the great people over at Hardy Wood Park, garage grade four out of five bottle caps. This IPA is bold and bursting with grapefruit, and it's a tribute to the decades of hard work by conservationists. So I thank Hardy Wood Park for this delicious tribute and their continued assistance with conservation programs. So let's raise our glasses and cheers them and some of our fine garage friends as well. First up, a big shout-out to Ashley and her mother, Christy, in Ringgold, Georgia. And a big shout-out to Alexis in Sumner, Washington. Next, thanking us for all the chills and nightmares, we have Amelia in Oxford, Alabama. And a big shout-out to Gladys in Miami, Florida. Next, a big, big thank you and cheers to Amy and beautiful Flagstaff, Arizona. And last but certainly not least... We have Melanie in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So thanks, everybody, for helping us out with today's show. If you want to help us out with next week's shows, go to TrueCrimeGarage.com and click on the donate button. And make sure you check out our old episodes on the Stitcher app and also our weekly bonus show called Off the Record on Stitcher Premium. And that is enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime.
What's the address of your emergency? Um, I'm actually camping in Redor. Just outside of Redor. Uh-huh. Um, my two-year-old son, um, we can't find him. How long has he been missing? About an hour. An hour? Yeah. Are you by water? Yes. Do you know which campground you're in? Uh, it's Stone Reservoir, Timber Creek. Stone Reservoir? Yeah, or Timber Creek. Hold on. We need search and rescue. Jessica? Jessica? Yeah? What's your son's name? Burke. Okay, what is he wearing? He was wearing cowboy boots, a blue, um, pair, like, pajama pants, and a camel jacket. And he's got shaggy blonde hair. Is your husband calling, too? Like, all down where we were camping at, and we can't find him at all. Okay, we need you to stay within cell service. We've okay. got people going on, on the way. Thank you. The 911 call that you just heard came in at 2.28 p.m. on Friday, July 10th, 2015. The caller is Jessica Mitchell. She is calling because she cannot find her two-year-old son, Dior Coons. She is calling from a campground near Lador, Idaho. You see, the day before, Dior Coons Jr., his father, mother, great-grandfather, and a family friend traveled 120 miles from Idaho Falls to the Timber Creek Campground in Lador. The campsite is very remote and takes about two and a half hours to drive from where they live in Idaho Falls. The day before, the evening of Thursday, July 9th, the family packed up their things and got ready to make the drive out to Timber Creek. Along for the camping trip, we have two-year-old Dior Coons. We have his father, Vernal Coons and the mother, Jessica Mitchell, and her grandfather, Bob Walton, and his friend, Isaac Renwand. Yeah, the great-grandfather and the friend are going to ride together in a truck. The couple with their child are going to ride in a separate truck. Here's some important things to note, and we want to do this right here before we move on, because this is a confusing case with a strange timeline. But it is crucial to have a decent understanding of the four adults at the campground with little Dior and that timeline. Okay, so first, Vernal Coons, little Dior Coons' father, also goes by Dior at times. I believe this is his middle name. Mm -hmm. But to keep everything nice and tidy, when we speak of the father, we will refer to him as Vernal. And when we talk about the little two-year-old boy, he is Dior. Now, Dior's parents, Vernal Coons and Jessica Mitchell, are not married. In 2015, they were engaged to be married. The old man on the trip is Jessica's grandfather, so little Dior's great-grandfather. His name is Bob Walton, and he is elderly, and he has some health issues. He was on oxygen 24-7 in 2015. He had to lug around an oxygen tank everywhere with him. Jessica works for her grandfather as his caretaker. It's, it's unclear if this is a paid position, you know, paid in cash under the table, or if this is just her helping him out. 
Well, based off of interviews, I would assume that she's actually getting paid because one of the reasons why they took the trip was this is kind of also a celebration of her working for six months where she never has stayed at a job that long. Yeah, that was my vibe, too, that I got that she is being compensated or paid in some manner for this work that she's doing, but there's no real paper trail of such. Right. The fourth adult on this trip is Isaac Renwan. He is a friend of the old man's, a friend of Bob's. Yeah. Isaac, before the trip, has never met Vernal, Jessica, or Little Dior. This friend situation has been deemed online as strange or odd. Isaac is much younger than Bob. In fact, Isaac is probably closer, much closer in age to Vernal and Jessica than he would be to Bob. Bob and Isaac have been friends for about five years leading up to this camping trip. They at one point were next door neighbors or neighbors. Bob hired Isaac often to do yard work and then they became fishing buddies. So let's get into this timeline. And this has been difficult to put together for reasons that will make sense later. But I used multiple sources to try to piece this together. So this was constructed using statements from the four adults on the camping trip and the sheriff from the lead investigative agency. After they packed up and left, the group went to Isaac's house to pick him up. The group made the trek and they traveled in two vehicles, as the captain mentioned. Vernal, Jessica, and Dior are in Vernal's black pickup truck. Isaac and Bob are in Bob's, and I believe this was a Chevy Blazer or a Chevy SUV. Again, this is taken from statements from the family and Isaac, and these statements are not very thorough. We do know there was a camper involved as well, but I'm not sure who was pulling this camper. The grandfather was. Okay. It was his. He owned it. They all arrived Thursday evening. First, they started setting everything up. They built a fire and started. it started to get dark shortly after they arrived. Mm-hmm. The next morning, they all seemed to have woke up at different times, and it's very unclear as to the order in which they woke up. Well, let's start with where they slept. The friend is going to sleep in a tent. The grandfather sleeps in the, the camper. camper. It seems like the couple with their child sleep in the blazer. And we have Isaac who says he got up at least once or twice that morning and then went back to bed. So that adds to the confusion of the order in which they woke up. Yeah. Now, they did have breakfast. At some point, Vernal and Jessica and Dior leave. They get in Vernal's truck and they drive to Lador. Lador is a very small town and it's near where they are camping. I think it's like a 10, maybe 15 minute drive. I think it's a seven miles just to get into their campsite, like a singular road. Now on this trip into town, as we'll call it, they are going to hit up a couple of stops. Vernal says they went to get diesel fuel for his truck. Jessica says they go so she could buy some tampons. It's unclear what time they exactly left or how long they were gone. But going off of what Vernal says, they returned to the campsite at approximately 1 p.m. And while they're gone, Bob is taken around his friend to show him some different fishing sites and different fishing holes that he fished in when he was a kid. Now we have Jessica, Vernal, and Dior all back at the campsite. And it seems like everybody wants to go fishing at this time. 
And Bob and Isaac are back at the campsite as well. Jessica asks Isaac to show her where her and Vernal could catch some fish. Isaac walks with Jessica to a fishing spot. He says he thought Vernal and Dior were right behind them. Isaac shows her the spot, and he continues on to another fishing spot. Vernal joins Jessica, and now they are fishing, casting and looking at the water, you know, just enjoying themselves. This is only about a 10 to 15 minute time frame here, so a very small window of time. Right. Vernal says he saw some tadpoles and wanted to show Dior the creek, so he walked back up to the campsite with Jessica. Bob is still at the site. Little Dior is nowhere to be seen. Jessica asks Bob, where is Dior? Bob says, I thought he was with you. Jessica says, no, we left him with you. Okay, so now panic. The parents start looking for their boy, calling out his name as a search, and then the search widens. We have Bob who stays. He's the one that stays at the campsite Mm -hmm. while the parents are looking. They look for Dior for some time, and then the call is made to 911. Well, and like we said, this is like a seven-mile to five-mile road just to get to the campsite. You're in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You would be freaking out. Yes. Yeah. And so the the call comes in, as we said earlier, at 2.28 p.m., and it's Jessica on the call. And you heard that call, and she gives their location. She gives a description of her son who is missing. And she says, we've been looking for him for about an hour. She's told that they're going to send search and rescue out to help and assist and locate the boy. Yeah. Now, one thing that we need to point out here that is interesting about this call, and this is, we've reviewed many 911 calls, but one thing that's kind of stood out for me that at some point, the dispatcher asked, if her husband, if Jessica's husband is calling as well. And to which she says, yes. So what's going on at this time is we actually have, even though they're not, they're not married. Um, I think the dispatcher's making an assumption there, but at this same time, we have both Jessica, the mother and Vernal, the father, they're both attempting to call 911. Yeah, now Vernal couldn't get signal, so he drives about a mile and a half down the road to try to get signal, and she actually had signal. So, a little strange to me though. I think from the outside looking in there's there's a couple things here. So, one, yes, I could I could see it being a little strange because it's difficult to think that you would leave that area Um, I don't know exactly what Jessica is doing at this time. We know that Vernal drove off in his pickup truck. Right. And and look, the father could have panicked and took off without trying to, you know, he looked at his phone. Let's just assume, right? He looks at his phone. There is no signal. Panics, jumps in his truck, drives to try to get signal. Meanwhile, his fiance has signal on her phone. Mm Mm-hmm. It could, it could be a, something as simple as that. But again, the two calls to me, I'd be, if I didn't have signal, I'd be asking everybody else. Does anybody else have signal? Yeah. So I think here you could look at it two ways. Either we have a father who's leaving the area to make the call and they're both going to call. And this is a very thorough manner of making sure that you do get a hold of rescue efforts or 
you question the movements of why is somebody leaving the general area in which you believe this boy, you know, where you last saw your son. And maybe it doesn't matter either way, but I believe they're able to corroborate his story by cell phone ping technology, Mm -hmm. saying that wherever he made the call from was roughly about a mile and a half away from the campsite. Right. So both of them are calling from where they say they are calling from, or at least there's some evidence to back that up. Right. Search crews arrive and they begin to look for the toddler. They search until about 4 a.m. They don't find him. Then on Saturday, July 11th, searchers look on horseback, ATVs, foot, and in the water for Dior. They focus on a two and a half mile radius around the campground. One area of concern is a creek. This is one of the fishing spots. Right. This is about 15 yards away from the campsite. The area is searched numerous times. Sunday, July 12th, the Lehigh County Sheriff's Office reports nearly 200 volunteers show up to look for Dior. On Monday, July 13th, Dior's parents do a TV interview. In this interview, they explain what happened the previous Friday afternoon. Now, they, at this point, say they no longer believe that Dior is lost, but think that someone may have abducted their son. And they make a plea for his safe return. That evening, around 200 people gather in Idaho Falls for a candlelight vigil. Tuesday and Wednesday, July 14th and 15th, search efforts continue near the campground. Dive crews focus on the Stone Reservoir, located about a quarter mile from where the family was camping. This is because the creek near the campsite runs to this stone reservoir. Yeah. Dior's parents remain camped near the site as deputies search the creek once again and determine that Dior is not there. Friday the 17th, the Bonneville County Sheriff's dive team is called in to help search the reservoir. Divers use a sonar robot to assist in foggy waters. Crews on horseback return to the hills near the campground. Saturday the 18th, it's Dior's father's birthday. He spends the day camped just yards away from where his son disappeared, and the search efforts continue. On Sunday, July 19th, it's now been 10 days since Dior was last seen. The Timber Creek Campground has been searched dozens of times. Crews have scoured the stone reservoir and creek. Investigators release few new details, and Dior's family remains desperate for answers. Up to this point, now this is a statement released from the uh, searchers. They say that after 10 days, up to this point, no evidence has been found to suggest where the two-year-old boy may be. Yeah, so we have this little baby boy. What are our options of what possibly could have happened to him? So the lead investigative agency, the sheriff's department, the Lehigh Sheriff's Department, they state that they are working under three possible theories. One, that it was some type of animal attack. So wolves was the main concern. Yeah. There were wolves in the area. Some had suggested maybe a bear, but we also eventually, this case is difficult in the sense that we have a lot of statements from different people that are involved in this case and then later not involved. We've had a lot of people come in and out of this investigation from 2015 to current day. 
So later on, somebody would suggest that a bald eagle would be the main threat. But it seems like the sheriff's department, and I'm going to go with them because they know the area better than anybody else. Right. Their main concern was a, a wolves in the area. So animal attack is one possible theory. And their second theory is possible abduction. And then the third theory is that either a family member or friend was somehow involved in the disappearance of this child. Yeah, this this drove me nuts because they kept on saying there's three options and then they give you four options. Drove me nuts the whole time researching this case. And then the other thing that drove me nuts was... What was the fourth option? Well, no, they would always say... So they'd always say, you know, the first one is he's, he was taken by an animal. Second one was he was abducted. Third one was that it was either accidental or homicide. So see what I mean? That's your third oh, and yeah. fourth option. So it always drove me nuts when they went, we we have three theories. I'm like, well, actually you have four. Yeah, I don't think I said that clearly. I <laughs> I went off, I went away from my paper here. You're exactly right. The third theory was that either a family member or friend was involved in the accidental death or homicide. I don't know if it's because of the search efforts that they're ruling out the possibility that he just went off and possibly something with the water. Mm-hmm. I know those all those little fishing holes were searched extensively, and so maybe that's why that theory is not on the table. But again, when you start looking into this case, my first thought was, okay, he walks off, and what happens then? Mm-hmm. And then he walks off, and there's animal attack. And those are two viable options mm-hmm. but when i think because of the extensive amount of, of searching they did and then the searching to the water they were able to actually actually rule that out as a theory yeah they they aren't giving current day they don't give much weight to the possible animal attack theory well that's because there's no evidence there was no item of clothes that right. clothes that were left behind there was no uh blood left behind there was there's no evidence of any kind of attack. Right. The, their general thought is this, that if there were some kind of snatch and grab by an animal, there would be evidence of such. And they searched such a vast area that that would have turned up. Something right. they would, like you said, piece of clothing, some blood or something else. And I do want to point out this item here as well, because I think this is extremely important. Um, so regarding the missing persons flyer for little Dior Coons says missing since July 10th, 2015, missing from Lidor, Idaho, his date of birth was December 30th, 2012. So he's about two and a half at the time where he's last seen blonde hair, brown eyes, three foot tall, about 28 pounds. So small little guy. And the flyer says Dior was wearing a camouflage jacket and blue pajama pants. What it does not include is in the 911 call, Jessica says that he was wearing cowboy boots. Yeah. And the cowboy boots are really something that I think are very important because these boots have never been located. Yeah. The general thought of these boots is this, and this is from the the searchers and from the sheriff's department. They simply say, These boots, as described to them by everybody that knew the little boy and knew of these boots, were boots that he loved to wear. He loved to walk around in them, but they were many sizes too big for him. 
You know, we've all seen this. It's very cute when a tiny little kid puts on adult shoes or or a teenager shoes or something that's made for something much bigger than the little boy or girl. Right. It's very cute. He wore these a lot, and they said that it was described that they were so big that he would often come out of the shoes when right. he's just walking. His feet would, would pop out of the shoes, and you'd find these boots uh, lying around, whatever. Yeah, so one, they're probably hard to walk in, so he wouldn't get that far. Right. Two, if if he walked far enough, he'd probably come out of them. Three, if somebody snatched him uh, or if animals snatched him, then he'd probably come out of the boots pretty easily, mm-hmm. no matter where the animal grabbed him at. Right. And their argument to suggest that the animal grab is not likely, it, the biggest argument is therefore the boots, because they're they're saying, look... Yeah, you could you could present a case that in this huge area that maybe we missed a drop of blood. Right. But we're not going to miss these boots. And the thing with the water is it was searched so extensively. Yeah. The the creek and that reservoir, the stone reservoir. I've had I've I've seen some statements to also suggest that that water is not necessarily that deep. So it wouldn't be, we're not talking about something that would be incredibly difficult to search. Right. So there's no evidence of this boy in the water. There is no piece of clothing that they find. They do not find any blood. And in one report, it states that the scent dogs never picked up a scent of this little boy at the campsite. Bringing into question, was this boy even at the campsite? The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go. For a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, 
H-E-L-P.com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right. Cheers, mates. Cheers to you, Captain. 
We wanted to take this time to play for you that interview, that TV interview that we discussed during the search timeline for Little Dior. Here, you are going to hear his parents discussing how he went missing and what they hope they can find in their search for him. This is from EastIdahoNews.com. Um, all right, Dior, so take us back. Was it Friday? Yes. I'm not sure what day it is today. Today's yeah. Monday. It was Friday. It was Friday. Friday at about... Two two twenty six is when I was it two twenty six. Two thirty six when I called. Two was two thirty six is when she called and I was in the truck hauling down to the road trying to get service because I didn't think one bar would get it. So she got very very lucky. I was blessed that she was able to get service because I didn't th- I didn't want to try and risk getting halfway through my talking to the nine one one and have it cut off. So I went down to where I knew I can get a little service about a half mile down the road. Uh, we searched for. After about 20 minutes and in a dead panic, not knowing where he was in such a small area and not knowing, never being there, I knew I was in trouble. Uh, so we decided to call search and rescue, uh, and that's when I drove down. She tried getting a signal out. Um, as soon as I got a hold of them, I come to, they told me that she was on the other line with them, and they had our location, and they were on our way. They... They were amazing. They are amazing, and they still continue to be. Uh, Lima High County Sheriff and Sam in Search and Rescue, you could not ask for a better group of people, volunteers and Search and Rescue, and just everybody. You couldn't ask for better people. So sincere, so concerned. And they were, everybody was so emotionally attached to this, as you anybody would be of a two-year-old. He's... Pretty small for his age, but he, he moves pretty good, and that was our concern. He, he uh, was right with us. Uh, where it's at is, I mean, I thought it would be perfect to go camping there because it's enclosed by walls of mountains, and there's not much space around there that he could go. And our biggest concern was the, the creek, which was knee-deep, knee few feet wide, but he's a little guy. Um, they finally, yesterday, that we were able to put that to rest, and Lima High County Sheriff, um, Sheriff Dave, and the rest of the sheriffs have put out that there is, they assured me there is 100% chance that he is not anywhere in that water, around that water. They have torn that creek upside down and in and out. Divers uh, have gone through wetsuits, along with the helicopter. That was the world's most advanced search and rescue helicopter uh, volunteered out of Montana, and those guys were just amazing. The accuracy they had with the night vision ability it has and the uh, heat range it can see. They were, the one guy, I can't remember his name, um, I've met so many people, so many good people, but um, he was, he, his, his own safety, he was, he was more or less, he was strapped in and he was on the side of that helicopter looking and I, he was looking down, I remember them telling me that they um, asked the search rescue to go look over because there was an orange insect repellent can, they think, by the bank, and they were dead on. That's what it was. That's how accurate these guys are. They thought it, was, it might have been like a part of a shoe they might, or, something, or something, but they said, go check that out. That, these guys search miles. So the mile radius they have is, it, it is a very rocky terrain. It is very open, but it's not the helicopter that used is, is used to back very deep Montana. It is designed for a lot worse situations than this, and there was not a trace of my son found. There still isn't, but there's the search is on. That's 
the hearsay of things has kind of gotten way out of hand. The search is so far is, has been put on that has been suspended, and that is not entirely sure or true. Sheriff Dave of Lima High County, I just spoke with him on the phone this morning. He has got uh, horseback riders and trackers up there right now uh, and very, very advanced professional. Um, I'll, be, I'll be going up, um, with, and I've just come down to get any resource I can get to go back right up, back up today. Um, what questions did you guys have? Tell us a little bit about, first off, how are you guys holding up? I know everybody's, a lot of people are praying for you. They're concerned. Friends about and family and hoping to be strong for him. The is what I know keeping me together because if we didn't have all of our family, the minute I called my mom and she was up there in a matter of hours and same with the rest of our family, they were just up there Those around us. Now, luckily, we I, a few phone calls is all it took at first. And we had, just as Sheriff Davis said in the news, there was 175 plus people up there in the grid searches, volunteers, uh, professionals, and anybody I called, there's, the service up there is very here, here, there, it's camping, you know? Um, we're, we're trying to hold up the best we can, but with, we have hope is the thing. Hope is what keeps it going. Hope is, because the search is not over, search is not done. We will find him. No matter what. You were, you were in the truck, so was it you that first realized, oh no, Dior's not here? No, we both did. No, I we just, both did. We, after 20 minutes of up and down the creek and up and around the, uh, the camp and he wasn't there, that's when I got in my pickup truck and drove down the road to try and get uh, some service. Yeah, especially after screaming his name, we have nicknames for him, no sound of him, This little no boy, is not, he's, a, he's a goer and a mover, but he's not, he does not go away from his parents. He does not... Yeah, he's very attached to us. So this is us. very unusual. Very, very unusual, sir. And we didn't hear people around us. We didn't see anybody. We have... We told him that nothing needs to be done. That needs to be addressed. Yeah, I know social media can be a good thing, but it can also that's, be a bad that's thing. The, we just don't want anything twisted. Yeah, we don't want to twist it. So clear up any rumors that you've seen or heard. Or we, need we've, to, we need to... One, one thing that we're going to want to get to that. What's most of the biggest rumors that are going around is, I mean, I have heard everything from the, I mean, why you would make a rumor that has to do with a three-year-old is if you're not going to help, please don't, if it's not helpful. This is a two, almost three-year-old we're talking about. Please help us. But I've heard everything from, I am a truck driver. I've heard everything from my company won't let me come home off the road to look for my son. I was there the entire time, and my employer, four hours after my son went missing, has been up there day and night, has not slowed down. Uh, and that, that, one that one bothered me, and then it, they just came, they got worse, and they got worse, and they got worse. But there, that's a handful of bad with a bunch of good. The amount of support is very overwhelming, and it's good. Are there any rumors that you've seen or anything you want to clear up, Jessica? I just, somebody at the store um, in Lador said, it was one of the ladies that had worked at the store, said that they saw um, a gentleman and a younger blonde boy matching our description of our son, really filthy, buying candy for him, and he was just bawling in a black truck. That is the only Here's the problem. other. <clears throat> My pickup truck's black. He drives a black truck. As a family, we went down to get get a few things. 
earlier it, it was, was earlier that but, it, day. but they claim it was at six o'clock that uh, that evening and i we was so we search and rescue until what a quarter to four yeah from we didn't we never we haven't left the camp since one o'clock that afternoon so it's just a lot of hearsay and was anybody camping around you that we don't know is i come to find i didn't know the area and i didn't know i there's it's very open but you can't see much. There's a, a, a road that goes up and along the top. By, uh, we're, we're camped underneath the reservoir, basically right below it. And you can go up above the reservoir. And I didn't even know the road was, did the, I didn't know the road was up there. And as I traveled up there myself, I come to find out I can see everything going on in that campsite. But you can't see out. You can't see up. You can't see around. And if anybody comes to the bottom of your campground, you can't even see they are. So they could have come to your camp. They could have came in and you could never, never know it. And with the water was not very, it was not a fast running, it's a creek. But it is quite loud moving through the logs and things like that. So hearing range is not all that far either. So if you couldn't hear anybody coming up either. So he was just kind of playing and you guys were doing your thing and then he, he noticed. Oh, he was playing with my grandfather. He was playing with grandpa. He was over, he was getting ready for a nap. And I say it was almost, by that time it was almost two and he usually takes his nap. Um, we, we, we were just, yeah, we decided we were going to go a little exploring. He was going to be good with grandpa by the campfire. We weren't more than... Probably 50, 50 yards away in 10 minutes. Uh, well, but the time we, I seen him to the point I figured out he was gone. And I come back up in the creek and I actually seen there were some things down by the a little minnows that I thought he would just love. So when I come back up to get him and I yelled over to Grandpa, uh, where is, you know, where's little Dior? He immediately shocked. He says, I th he came up to you because it's such a small area. That's what a lot of people, they don't understand is they just assume, how could you let your kid out of your sight? This area is pretty well blocked in and you can see, you could, there's no way you couldn't not see him in what we thought. And in just in a split second, your whole world is upside down and vanished. There's not a trace found. That's the other reason why this has been called on the news as a suspension because it is not a suspension, but there's not a single trace of him. This, this child loses stuff. He's, he's two, almost three. Anybody who has a child in that age range knows. He leave, they leave trails. They lose stuff. They... She was no, Nothing. There's just nothing. And that's where we're starting to move is there's, might, there's a possibility that he may be with somebody. And that's what's giving us hope that it's, it's a bad thing that he will be not with us right now. But it also means that there is a good chance that he is alive and with somebody. So we are trying every aspect we can, any aspect we can. Is that what your gut tells you, you know, as his yes. father? Yes. As his father, I believe, and I think after being up there, and a lot of people agree with me, a lot, that he is no longer up the mountain anymore. The, the, the searching advances they used and was just very thorough for miles. Uh, not every it wasn't a stone left unturned there still isn't and still we're going to continue to search but being his father also that's where my art and my gut tell me but i'm not sure so that's where i'm asking the public's help anything um the lima high county sheriff is who's handling this but they're not designed for systems quite like this they've got two phone lines and uh please be patient they're doing the best they can and we all are and we will find him do you plan to maybe hold a vigil down here? I guess you maybe haven't even thought about it. Or kind of, do you want the community in Idaho Falls to, to rally? I mean, I know they don't want a lot of people going up That's there. what we're not real sure. Um, I don't, yet again, as a father, 
who's very concerned with the whole family, we'll tell you yes. If we can get the whole state of Idaho up there, we would love to. But in such a small area that has been combed and combed and combed, something may have been missed. But I don't know. I've been trying. I'm going to be getting with the Lima High County Sheriff and Snake River, or sorry, the Salmon uh, Snake and Rip, Salmon Search, Search and, and Rescue, rescue. Uh, to see what their thoughts on everything is. And trust me, with such a small area, 175 people, there was nowhere to park, nowhere to walk. There was grid searches up from one, and that's, there's ridges on one side of you and the other, and they're not very far apart. And it was all searched, all the way down to the bottom, all the way the, above, above the reservoir. The reservoir itself, I don't, a lot, a lot of people know the place. The reservoir itself isn't, but maybe a few feet deep. You can see, if you're up on top, you can see the bottom of the center. If you're looking at the middle of the reservoir, you can see the bottom of it. So everything has been 100% thoroughly checked, but I, nobody can guarantee me 100%, so I'm gonna keep looking. We'll continue to look until he's found. We don't care how long it takes. We, and we think as many people that have shared the story and continue to share his pictures and things like that, if somebody has him, they'll eventually Somebody will back. come forward wondering they, where this child has come, come from. With some sort of and this that may not be the case, but it's it could be. So that's why we're trying to look at this aspect as well. And you want people to keep sharing that? Yes. Photo. Yes, keep please, please, photos, please keep sharing keep... his photo. Please keep him in your mind, your hearts, and your prayers, and just keep look, keep your eyes open, please. Social media in general and public, just keep your eyes open and keep sharing. Tell me about the blanket. This is his blanket. He doesn't go anywhere without his blanket, his cup, or his monkey, and. All three of them were left at the campground, and now, he since will, he all three has to be with him, yes. he will trip over them if he has to. But they are going with him, and this is the first time since he's been born, pretty much, that he's been without these things. Yeah. And that's why you another reason. Why another reason why we're job. wondering. Yes, because and this is the blanket seem, that we brought him home in from the hospital. This is his. This is what comforts him any and all times. Um, this is an exact replica of. A security blanket for everybody. Mm -hmm. This is his actual blanket. He yes. does not go anywhere without it. That's our another our other concern of why. Yeah. What and I you, should 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 he be out there and he happen to see you? What would you say? We're looking for you, son, and we will find you. And we love you more than anything in the world. You have a lot of people who love you and are looking for you, buddy. will find you. We'll Daddy never will stop find you. Looking until we get you home. A two-year-old, and you guys have been on the for the past two days. Is there anything you want to add? Anything we didn't get to? Just if somebody has him, please don't hurt him. Just bring him home safely to us. No matter what it where takes. Where he belongs. Even if you have to just leave him at a store where somebody else will see him and bring him home safely to us. I don't. Just I don't drop him off yeah, just drop him off somewhere and if where that's not the case. somebody is at, so that they can. See him and bring him home. And if that may not be the case, I'm, we will search for you and search for you and search for you until we find you. Okay, so a lot to unpack here with that interview. Mind you, this is just days after Dior is missing. So that opening statement where uh, Vernal says, I don't even know what day it is today. Mm -hmm. Let's keep in mind that that seems like an odd statement to me when I first saw this interview, but then I look at the date of the interview and realize, oh, this is just within hours and days of this boy being missing. Right. There's a good chance he may not know 
what day it is. And if he's been actively looking for his son this entire time, which we know from the other searchers involved, that the parents did remain up at the campsite for for a very long period of time looking for their boy. And I would say that their demeanor seems a little frantic um, as far as, you know, he's not waiting for his fiance to answer the questions. He's jumping right in, talking over her. And she obviously seems pretty distraught. I mean, her, her tone is much lower and much softer and much more worrisome, but uh, mm-hmm. they definitely seem frantic about the situation. And so uh, to me, that would point to them telling the truth. Not knowing what happened to Dior. And I agree with you. Vernal, not only does he, you know, interrupt his, his fiance from time to time, he doesn't fully let the interviewer finish the question. Right. He's so eager to kind of jump in and offer his words and his thoughts. And as you said, frantic, it seems this is in no way a scripted statement that they're giving. This is very all over the place. And Vernal's really just saying what pops into his mind at that very moment. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and, and they talked about their minds racing for, you know, days and weeks and months just constantly trying to figure out this puzzle in your head. We walked up to see this little fishing hole. We thought we were clear with Grandpa. Hey, you are now watching him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when they come back, where's our son? I thought he was with you because, you know, the Grandpa was also known to doze off from time to time. Mm-hmm. And so you're then wrapping your head. You start looking and you're thinking, we're going to find him within minutes. And so what's your thoughts on, they say they they looked for their son for about 20 minutes and then called 911. So that, that's a difficult thing because we have Jessica's 911 call where she very clearly says that they looked for Dior for about an hour before she called. And then we have just days later where Vernal is very clear saying that we looked for about 20 minutes mm-hmm. and then called that's, I, I say it's difficult because it it is really tough to track time. If you are in full panic mode, right. But at the, on the same, on the, at the same token here, we have a situation now where the two stories, there's something that could be significant that is not lining up with both of their stories. Yeah, but see, I wonder if it's a fallback on, I call 911, how long have you been looking for your child? If I say 20 minutes, do they tell me to hang up the phone and keep looking? Or do I say, we've been looking for an hour. Mm -hmm. And if I say an hour, they're going to go, oh shit, we got to do something. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I, I wonder. Or is it manipulation? 911, how long have you been looking? Uh, 20 minutes, but we'll tell you an hour to seem like we're so concerned. And then when we're interviewed by it, uh, uh, about that situation, we're going to say less time to show that we're panicking even faster than, than we told 911. Right. Is it controlling the narrative? And you know, what's also interesting about this is you don't know that 
we don't know if they've had time to change their story because they have, right? What if what if they're confronted by law enforcement at some point during the course leading up to this interview and they're told, why did you say an hour right. on the phone to 911 when we have grandpa and somebody, you know, and the family friends saying it was more like 20 minutes? Right. You know, what I would be very curious to hear is how far along did Vernal get in his 911 call? Because I couldn't find anywhere where they were stating that Vernal's call was released to the public. Mm-hmm. We know that Jessica's 911 call was released to the public, I believe, within a week right. of this case. So I would love to hear his 911 call as well to to kind of verify what it was that he was able to tell the dispatcher in his call. Yeah, maybe he told the dispatcher, how long have you been searching for him? 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the story didn't change. And again, I think you have to put into context the idea that they are frantic. And so now they're doing an interview a couple of days later. They don't know what day it is. They said 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Is it something that should not even be looked at as, as, as a, evidence that they're not telling the truth the other thing regarding vernal's 911 call he says there that he had a bar um a signal you know his phone is indicating to him that he has a single bar of service right and then decides to get into his truck and drive to where he knew he would have service again later he does say hey we were camping the the service is spotty at best out there Um, so I, I don't know that that's really something to really hone in on, but it is, it is just one of those, uh, oh, by the way, kind of things to note that he, he references at the time when he looks at his phone, that his phone is indicating he does have some type of service before he drives away. Right. And I think again, put everything into context, you're in Walmart walking around with your kids and you turn around and one of them's gone, you will push people out of the way. You will act like a maniac until you see uh, your son or your your child. And I think we've all been there, anybody with kids. You, know, you turn around, they're gone, oh no! And then you just go into freak-out mode. And so some of these um, reactions and some of their actions... I think can be explained away by you're in panic mode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had a situation once and this, this is weird and it's the only way I can really relate to this. But like you said, you, you go into this survival type mode and your, your reactions and your movements might not always be logical to others at a later point. Right. But I was in a situation once where somebody had a horrible accident in a lower level and I was the only person there. This person was bleeding and was not conscious. And so I had to call 911 with my cell phone. Now, this was many years ago and I I can't remember if it was a flip phone or what, but for whatever reason, I couldn't even make the emergency call to 911 in that lower basement level. Right. So I had to go up to another level of this building and call 911. And the dispatcher is telling me to, we need you to stay on the line, sir. And I'm trying to explain that I can't tend to 
the accident victim right. and stay on the phone with you. It's not humanly possible. I have to make a decision right now, being the only person here, is it more important that I drop the call and just trust that you are on your way and you know my location? Mm-hmm. And it, or, or do I leave this person alone that may need some kind of assistance? Now, I know CPR and stuff like that. I don't know how much assistance I was really going to be able to offer, but in the moment, I felt that it was more important to be with the person. Did so you start screaming, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. Oh, man, it was, it was stressful. That's, I solve crimes. I never want to relive that moment again. But some other things here that, that were brought up in this interview. So we have her missing, her uh, 911 call, sorry. And mm-hmm. then we have the missing flyer. So 911 call is said that uh, Dior was wearing camouflage jacket, blue pajama pants, and those cowboy boots, which we've already discussed. And then also in this interview, they bring up a blanket, a cup, and a monkey, like a stuffed monkey. Right. These were his, Dior's prized possessions. These were things that he always brought along with him. And these items were left behind. Mm-hmm. All three of these items were located somewhere at that campsite. Yeah, and a lot of people then start saying that this is where they start shifting the blame. Maybe he's lost. At this point, they don't. They're they ruled out the water. They're kind of ruling out that he just wandered off. They're almost wonder, you know, ruling out that he was wandered off and was attacked by an animal pretty quickly in the search. And they start going, "Hey, we uh, possibly he was abducted," mm-hmm. and and I think. Again, your brain is frantic and you're searching everywhere and you have all these people on horseback. You have a lot of dogs searching. You have uh, you have a lot of people in this small area looking for your son and they're not finding anything. So does your brain go to, you know, are they shifting the narrative again by pointing out that he could have been abducted or is their brain going, okay, we can't find him. We're trying to solve this puzzle in our brain. Maybe somebody else was up there. Um, so it, it's very difficult because on one hand you go, okay, maybe they're shifting the narrative. Or on the other hand you go, they sound so panicked that they are grabbing at straws to figure out the answer. We also have in that interview where Jessica references that a possible eyewitness may be seeing Dior later with a man buying candy. And as they indicate in the interview, this would have been, been in like the six o'clock, 6 PM time frame. Yeah, this is kind of strange and I'm going to jump ahead a little bit in the story, but we have the situation being that they go to town to get gas or uh, because she had her period. So it's one or the other, right? And well, the, well, I think it could be both. Right. But it seems like when you hear it from one part of the story, it's this. And when you hear it from the other part of the, you know, when it's coming from the father, he's saying, we need to get gas. When it's coming from her, it's no, we, you know, I had a, a female emergency, right? So, but they stopped at multiple places when they go back to interview those people, now it takes them a while to go back to interview those people, but they don't 
remember seeing the mother with the child. Mm-hmm. So then again, that leads to the speculation of, is this child even at the campground? Was he even there at all? And you claim that you went to all these spots and there's no eyewitnesses saying that they saw this child. Mm-hmm. But that is factually incorrect because we do have a situation here where we have eyewitness days after you know, you know the search begins saying, hey, I saw this child with a messy man. So one, was it a child with a messy man, black truck? There's a lot of black trucks. There's also uh, sightings of a black Rubicon Jeep. So is this eyewitness mistaken the Jeep for a truck? Was this a messy man giving candy to a kid around six o'clock? Possibly. Or was the time wrong? And, but either way, it it is an eyewitness that is claiming they saw this boy in that area, which would put him at that campsite. A small blonde boy crying, right, would be going off of their interview. That's the the statement, as far as we know. So that's tough. It's it's really that that part of the interview might be the weirdest part. Mm-hmm. And I say that because I, look, we now have a situation where the parents are saying in this very same interview, we've now shifted our personal belief that he's not lost up there, that it was not an animal attack. These searchers are doing a damn good job and they can't find any trace of our son. Right. So now we're shifting gears in our beliefs that he was abducted. I would love to know how I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall there and to figure out how this conversation went down when they were presented with this thought and with this eyewitness account that someone saying, Hey, I saw a guy that drove up in a black truck with a with a small blonde boy who's crying, the guy is buying candy for this boy, and this took place about 6 p.m. on the day that this child went missing. So roughly three to four hours after Dior is last seen. Right. But then we have the parents very quickly going, here's the problem. I have a black truck, mm-hmm. and we went to probably that same location. Mm-hmm. And so that is very, very difficult because now you either have a, you have this information where you can go, oh, that's a breadcrumb. It follows along with what we now personally believe could have happened to our son, but 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 they dismiss it. Right. But again, they're trying to analyze, they're trying to analyze all this stuff with a frantic brain. And so it's like, are, are, are they grabbing at straws too quickly to go? No, 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 no. That's not. That, that wasn't some shady man. That was actually me, you know, and I don't, you just got the time wrong. That's where I know. question it. I don't, I question is, is it in fact that they are grabbing at straws or is it such that they are trying to put the boy with one of them mm-hmm. at one of their locations Again, when shifting, later yeah. we have people that can't put the boy with them at any of the locations. Right. But the mother later says that when they were, at one of the stores that she saw a creepy older man kind of staring blankly at her son, which they call little man. Um, 
And again, is that it's one of those things where it's like, is she just trying to remember everything that's possible so she can give you as many pieces of the puzzle for for law enforcement and for the public to to figure this out? Or is it shifting the narrative? And was there even a creepy man that was staring at her son? Well, and at some point in the investigation, as an investigator, you're left with with looking across the table, talking to a person that may have been one of the last people to see little Dior, and you're asking the mother or the parents at some point, when you've run out of questions, this is where you go. You go, okay, now I need you to think really hard and really think about that day Mm -hmm. and tell me, was there anything, anything any way that was out of the ordinary seems strange or odd to you about anybody or anything that day. You're left with that really kind of dumb, open-ended question, right? Right. But but when you can't find any trace of this person, that's all you're left with, and you have to ask that question. And now you have a situation where you say, okay, do we have parents that are going, okay, I'm, I'm thinking really hard. Oh, wait. Oh. Uh, I remember this dude, he was kind of creepy. He was staring yeah. down my boy and mm-hmm. okay, that's that's a possible lead. Or is that an opportunity again for the parent to deflect away from themselves, to deflect possible guilt and suspicion away from themselves and onto just another possibility of what could have happened? Well, the snitchuation and the poly D and the t-shirt time. What look what drives me nuts about all these scenarios, and, and I don't know how it, it exactly went down, but to me it's like, okay, we have these parents that say our, our child is missing from this spot, and to me it needs to be, it almost seems like they just went, okay, we're going to take their word for it, we're going to search the area, and that's all we're going to do, where it's like, on some level, it's like you have to then like pull these individuals aside, questioning them right away. We got cadaver dogs and scent dogs in, in that truck and, and and the other truck into the camper. You see what I'm saying? Like, I think, um, you know, I think sometimes we assume too much. We go, okay, well, these parents are telling us the truth and we're going to do all that we can. And then it's it's the days that pass, you know, like if she was questioned right away about this, would she bring up this creepy guy that was in the store? Um, and, and so, I mean, I know that's difficult and you can't go into every situation and go, well, what's all the possibilities? And we need to explore all those possibilities right now and not focus on the search. But it, it just seems like... Um, I don't know. This one's this one is very difficult. Well, in regards to this creepy guy, my belief is that this is not information that was presented to the investigators early on. It was presented at a later time. And what we do know, according to the Leem High Sheriff's Department, mm-hmm. they say that at some point, now mind you, they do specifically say it did take a good deal of time to track down who we think this individual that she saw was that she's referencing as staring at her boy. Right. And they say, look, we've, we've tracked this individual down there. They are a local. We questioned them. We investigated them. And 
we don't believe that this individual had anything to do with the disappearance one. And then on top of that, this individual does not remember seeing the boy. They, and we got to be clear about that because the sheriff's statement is not that the, the man did not see the boy. Right. The statement is the man does not remember seeing the boy. Right. So then on that level you go, okay, well, this man did exist, so she's not just making up some random person. So to me, that is trying to remember everything you can and put out as many pieces of the puzzle out there for people to to be able to find the answer to. But this guy doesn't remember. Look, there's a lot of times you're in a store, you're at a restaurant, a kid walks by you, they do something silly, you kind of smile, and that's it. And if somebody asks you about it two weeks later, you'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. But this this person took months to, to find. Um, but so, again, I, to me, the person existed. She wasn't just making up this person in, out of thin air. So that makes me want to believe her more. Not me, because I feel like she could have just she could have saw this guy and remembered him. And she's now just throwing another mm-hmm. another variable out there. What What's interesting about the sheriff's statement regarding this creepy man mm-hmm. is he never once says that the man does not remember seeing Jessica. So mm-hmm. it, it that doesn't mean that he he did say he saw Jessica that day, but the share just going off the sheriff's words is simply that the man doesn't remember seeing the boy. Well, and again, that goes back to the people that Jessica said, Hey, look, I ran into this lady at the store. Uh, she was working there. I weren't ran into this other lady. She saw me with my son and the two people that she claims saw her with her son in town when they went to go get gas claim that they never saw her with her son. So much more to get to, so join us tomorrow in the garage. Make sure you tell a friend and share on social media. Yes, sir. And until next time, be good, be kind, and don't litter. At Rural First, we're the leader in rural construction loans because we don't work here. We work out here. We live rural, which means we know just what you need to build rural. Our dedicated team of loan specialists works with you throughout the construction process. And with our digital tool, you can manage your project all in one place. That's how Rural First gets you closer to what matters. Rural First is a registered trademark of Farm Credit Mid-America, NMLS 407249, equal housing lender, loan subject to approval and eligibility. Other terms and conditions may apply. Visit RuralFirst.com for more details.